Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And our Heavenly Father, we ask that you might make us like children, that we might enter into the the great mysteries of your coming to us, of your becoming a human being, of your living and dying for us out of your love for us, and of your establishing for us what it means to live life to the fullest. Lord God, open up our hearts, our lives, and our wills to your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> From the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father. God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So this morning as I was waking up, it was an odd experience because this passage is central to the Christian proclamation, central to the faith. This passage says that Jesus was God, specifically. And as I was waking up, I looked at the, at the clock, and it was 4.55. And I covered myself over with an experience I'd never had before. It was like a fear that I didn't want to get out of bed. So I caved to it for about five minutes or so. But the gravity of bearing this news, this news that Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, who was, who was vulnerable to all of the vicissitudes of life and all of the challenges of life, that this was God with us, that he became that in whom we put our faith and our trust, so I was just kind of, I didn't make that connection when I was a scared and under my blanket last night, or this morning, I should say. But I sure did when I got up and I walked around the neighborhood. This is the central reality of our faith. Now, <clears throat> the, the Apostle John uses the term logos or logos. 
en arkein hologos, kai hologos en proston theon, kai hologos en hotheos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Stunning declaration. And this means that, that the logos, the logos of God, is the organizing principle for all the cosmos. Now, I believe John used this term intentionally because the Greeks were really into talking about the logos. And the logos was the understood as the the organizing principle behind all creation and behind all of life. And they would, the philosophers would try to align life according to their understanding of the Logos. And so the Epicureans believed that this was all about enjoying life to the full. And therefore they thought that the ultimate Reality was a reality of simply enjoying life. And therefore, what an individual found to be enjoyable was that person's truth. The Stoics, on the other hand, understood the logos of history, the logos of the cosmos, to be blind and impersonal and uh, it was as if it was only just pure fate. And so the Stoics believed that whatever happened in life, you just had to deal with it, just bear up under it, just accept it as, as it is. And that becomes a way of organizing how we live our lives, that we live according to that framework, according to our Greek philosophers. So John says that the Logos the Logos of God is the person, Jesus. Now, how, how can this function? Now, I, when I was a kid, I used to build model cars and, and airplanes. I had, I had several wars hanging from my bedroom ceiling, including World War III, which, thank God, has never happened. But I had them up there, and then I also had cars. And I remember my... My favorite car forever was the 1963 Corvette with a split window in the back. And I, I just, I loved that thing. But the way I would build models was by looking at the, the picture and putting it together. And I got that Corvette, and I was working on it. I had it painted and everything else. And I made a mistake and I got that glue on right on the side of the Corvette. And I, I just, I was so angry and I made a bunch of noise in the house and my mom said, well, were you reading the instructions? <laughs> of course not. And then when, when my kids were little, we would go to Ikea to buy cheap furniture but you have to get it home, put it together yourself. So once again, I'm putting this stuff together and it, it's not working, it's not fitting. And I, of course I got yelled at, well, did you read the instructions? And I simply said, real men don't read the instructions. 
the instructions about we, how we live our life is, the instructions are based on our understanding, the, the logos, the organizing principle of life. So the Epicureans thought that it was all just about extracting as much pleasure as you could out of that. The problem with that, of course, is that's very short-lived. Extracting just pleasure ultimately ends up with a very painful, ordinarily a very painful outcome, whatever it may be, however it may manifest itself. And the Stoics, their view was just, just kind of boring. Just put up with it, just deal with it. There's no meaning out there, and so you just have to live with it and bear up under it. Today we have a logos, a logos that is largely that of just sort of a, an, an individual's personal view of things and the personal view of life. What, what each individual sees to be real constitutes reality. Consequently, we have this term that we hear a lot, of, a lot now, and that is my truth. What used to be my perspective or my opinion is now my truth. And, and one is expected to yield to that other's truth, whatever that truth may be. Interesting how when I have that sense of truth being sort of residing within me and my perspective of things, how that can yield some pretty harsh judgmentalism. Because if somebody doesn't agree with my perspective on things, if somebody doesn't affirm my perspective on things, then, then they're, just, they're just wrong. They need to be canceled. We need to, we need to somehow correct their inability to accept the truth that others project about their own life. We need to somehow make correction. And I wonder how that would work in a place where they don't allow women to go to school or drive or dress as they would like. Do we then enter into a sort of a that, that cultural imperialism where we have to go in and correct those people? I mean, you see the chaos that that creates. And in no small manner, it's a chaos in which we now live. It was a chaos that existed in the first century. And so as the Apostle John goes on to write, he said, people did not accept who Jesus was as the Logos. He didn't, they didn't accept the fact that the organizing principle of all the cosmos is not an ideology. It's not a concept. It's a person. That wasn't, reject, or that wasn't accepted. It was rejected outright. That God was with us, God in the flesh, that was just not an acceptable understanding. 
Now, with the Gospel of John and this affirmation, this declaration about the nature of of reality, God, the, the reality of Jesus as being uncreated with God and being God, this has given rise to all kinds of disputes since then, since the advent of, of the faith. This has been a matter that has been greatly disputed. Maybe, many people don't know this, but St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, during the Council of Nicaea, got in a fist fight with somebody, smacked somebody. And it was over this understanding of the nature of God in relationship to the Son. I want to share with you just briefly a portion of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all that is seen and unseen. We believe in the one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. Through him, all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. This is a core declaration of the Christian faith that Jesus Christ is God with us. Not just a really nice guy. Not just a really bright philosopher. And and how bright and how nice can he actually be if he is one who is not God but claims to be God? If you can think of someone actually standing here in our time and place, standing before us and telling us, well, you know, I realize that I'm actually God. Yeah, on a a scale of humanity from from low to high, I mean, he's kind of way down here. He needs to be, he needs help. Probably needs to be locked up. But Jesus made that claim in so many different ways throughout the gospel record. He claimed to be what was proclaimed at the time of his birth, that he was God. He is the Logos of God. And so what is the organizing principle of life? How does that get lived out? I remember at a Young Life meeting when I was in high school, senior in high school, and I, one of my best friends was kind of a brainiac. He ended up being a lawyer and just a, I, I really liked him. He was really smart and all of that sort of thing. And, And we were kind of going around the room and just says, well, what is life really all about? And um, I never never got to answer. I didn't really know how to answer. But others were saying, well, to pursue our passion in life or, or to be happy, just to be happy in life. And it went around the room similarly to that. And then my brainiac friend actually quoted the shorter Westminster Catechism. What is the chief end of man? 
to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And as a high school kid, 18 years old, that sounded really boring. But it was so true that this life is not about my own personal desire to acquire happiness for myself or to to gather, to become sort of a, uh, a black hole that draws all things into myself. It, it is an opportunity to live in such a way that God is glorified. And the example that we are given is his son. And how did he live? Was Jesus judgmental? Well, ask the woman at the well. Was Jesus harsh with people? Ask the woman caught in adultery. Was Jesus accusatory? Ask the man at the pool of Bethsaida. What he did with the woman at the well with the woman caught in adultery and the man at the pool of Bethsaida, is give them life and joy. And that's what we live for. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. So I was was at Best Buy the other night. And if you've gone to Best Buy, there's always a guy there to greet you and try to help you find whatever it is you're looking for. And I noticed his name, Hispanic young man, about maybe 20-something. His name was J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. I smiled, I shook his hand, I, hey, you got a birthday coming up. <laughs> and he smiled so large. And he, he simply said, in a very special way, I do. The birthday that we have when Christ is born in us. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, that we might live for you means that we live for one another, means that we live to spread the reality of your love with others means that we live in this life as it will be one day when we walk the streets of gold. Dear Father, by the birthing power of your Holy Spirit, may it be, knowing that God is with us, Emmanuel. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.